the optimal life. You must be a busy woman in today's day and age, Summer. Yes, I am. I have a large family as well as trying to run this business. <laughs> yeah, and, and with how challenging marriages are, I think they've probably always mm -hmm. been challenging, but it hasn't gotten any easier with the technology speed and the iPhone, mm -hmm. and all the access that people have to other things, places, people. It's it's just it's craziness. So um, your bio in your Instagram profile says guiding highly motivated moms to achieve total marriage transformation via radical, courageous evolution of self. What does that mean and what exactly do you do? Yes, you're right, Nate. Marriage hasn't gotten any easier, especially with the conflicting cultural messages that we're getting these days. Um, gender roles and I'm not even going to get into all of that, but what's how does a mom define her role and how does she how does she define herself and who she is and what her function is in a marriage? And there's so many conflicting messages that say, you know, if he's an a-hole, then you need to leave and things like that. And <clears throat> I got my start by being in a difficult marriage myself. Now, I won't go into his stuff. He's a good guy. But I found myself hating myself for picking the wrong man, making myself miserable. And I, I came to a point where I had to surrender to where I was. And then the learning happened when I stopped blaming, when I stopped focusing on everything he was doing wrong. First of all, my my first aha was that I was mistreating myself. I was beating myself up for being immature, for being weak, for picking the wrong person. Just I just never let it up on myself. And so the first thing I needed to realize was that I need to be loving to myself. It's really important. <laughs> I need to be my own best ally if I'm going to get through this situation. And then just really diving into spirituality. There are people in this world who have less than I do, who have it worse than I do, and who know how to live a fulfilled life. They have to know something that I don't. So diving into Wayne Dyer, M. Scott Peck, David Burns, M.D., Eckhart Tolle, and going, what do I need to know? And meditating and realizing that I had been distorting my thoughts and then learning about communication in relationships and realizing I thought I was the the faultless victim, you know, I thought I, I was always saying the nice thing and using a soft voice. No, 
I was making errors in communication that I didn't realize. I was defending myself. I was putting the blame back on him. And I just got so fascinated. I once, when I read David Byrne's book, um, Feeling Good Together, I actually threw a party to tell my friends about it because I was so excited about what I was learning. Let me just stop so, you real quick, Summer. Uh-huh. Um, let me just ask, go back to a few things here. Yeah. So how old were you when you got married? 25. 25. And how soon thereafter did you realize, quote unquote, I picked the wrong guy? Uh, probably a few months in. <laughs> and what causes you to realize 90 days into this new life of yours that you've picked the wrong guy? Communication struggles, uh, just a lot of emotional, I would probably diagnose a personality disorder looking back, but, um, and did you not, and, and my own not, immaturity, were you not able to detect the personality disorder or the communication issues prior to the marriage or did you detect no. them looking back? No, looking back, I can, but I was I was such an immature, um, delicate person who was so eager to uh, let other people measure my worth that he was the perfect candidate. <laughs> what exactly, though, happens 90 days after the marriage to make you realize this was a bad decision? Was there one particular thing that finally caused you to trigger that? No particular thing, just a lot of emotional challenges, um, not feeling valued, not feeling like we were aligned in our interests, not feeling like he was interested in me, like I dreamed he would be. How long were you guys together before the marriage? Um, six months. Oh, it was quick. Mm -hmm. So you guys are still trying to get to know each other. You guys, yeah. you guys beat the Bachelor and Bachelorette uh, ABC special by a few months. But it wasn't. <laughs> and much and I'm that. a religious person. I practice the law of chastity, so that had a lot to do with it as well. <laughs> so you guys are still learning about each other, and yes. then you get married, and then you mm -hmm. realize shortly thereafter this isn't working out. How much longer then are you married to him? Ten years. Ten years. Mm -hmm. You went ten years feeling like you married the wrong person? No. I went three months feeling like I married the wrong person. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I would say a few years, actually. But through this process I'm talking about, I just surrendering to the idea that everything happens for a reason and that this was happening for me, not to me, and that there was so much for me to learn that not to slap a label on this person like he's a narcissist or he's a borderline or anything like that. And I know why we have those labels. It's the same reason we have flags and book covers because it transmits information more efficiently. But for the sake of a human being, it can be destructive 
because it it discounts the yearning that's underneath the behavior that doesn't hit right for the other person. So I wanted to learn everything I had to learn. I wanted to discover how I could treat him as a real human being and not a thorn in my side and figure out what he's longing for, what needs are underneath his pain in the butt behaviors or whatever they might be. So a few years into this summer, you were able to start figuring this out. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I eventually I got my master's in counseling psychology and started working as a therapist. And then, so by surrendering, by saying, I'm ready to spend the rest of my life with this person, I believe in the paradox that says, once you accept it, you're free and um, emotionally free. And then something happened to end the marriage that I won't go into. But I believe that when you accept your circumstances, he's going to change with you. He's going to want to get on that bus or the light is going to be too hard for him to handle. And he's going to find a way to, as Eckhart Tolle says, you will separate like oil and water. And that's kind of what ended up happening once I learned what I needed to learn, and I was at peace. I was contented. I was connected to a sense of purpose. And then I, I was free. And I found my widower with six kids that I'm married to now. (laughs) Well, let me, but go back to, back to the label thing though, because I, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I fully am following this. So yeah. A few years into it, it's taken you a few years to work. You're working on yourself. You're working on yourself. It sounds like introspection, finding ways for you to learn about you, and then ultimately being able to shower your partner with various forms of love, communication, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. Yeah. But if this person is your partner, truly is a narcissist, you think that you changing yourself or making yourself happier or stronger or looking at life differently is going to change his behavior toward you in some respects you can learn to um you can learn to let some of it roll off your back because you're not placing your worth in their hands anymore and so it just doesn't have the same effect that it had before you can step out of the old conflicts, realize what they're actually angling for and come at it in a different direction. And but say, if you put your worth out of their hands, Summer, if mm-hmm. you take your worth and you put that out of their hands on one end of the spectrum, it, yes, you now cannot be hurt as easily. But what about on the flip side of the coin? Are you able to feel love? Are you put or are you putting a, a wedge in there subconsciously? That's an excellent question. I I find a lot of assurance in faith and 
in knowing that I'm providing the other person with with love and assurance. And of course, you have to be able to set boundaries as well and make requests. But it's so much simpler to make requests when your self-worth is not on the line. So you can ask for love in the way that he's able to give it. You can reframe things so that you can see where he's attempting to offer love where it wasn't visible before. What I find fascinating is that you're a coach to these women who are on the brink of separation or on the brink of divorce or are unhappy and not sure what to do. They're in a rut. They've, they've been unhappy for a long time and you're there to try to get them on track and, and help them reframe and get to a happier place with their spouse without having to call mm -hmm. it quits. Yet yeah. your first marriage ended. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem. Um, owning that because I I do consider it a victory because I learned to be at peace in that marriage because a choice was made thereafter that put it to an end does not cancel out the victory that I had in learning what I needed to learn from this person and experiencing the growth that I experienced. And the beautiful thing is that the growth goes with me. I like to say the greater the chasm, the more magnificent the bridge. And when he cut off his end, the magnificent bridge went with me to my new husband and mm. has totally beautified our relationship. So, so if he didn't cut off nothing to lose by working on your marriage. If he didn't cut off his end, would you still be in that first marriage today? Yeah. You would. So you left it all on the table. You did everything you possibly could. Uh-huh. Sometimes no matter how much you put in, it's inevitable the other it, you, it takes two to tango. And if yeah. number 2 doesn't want to tango, then ultimately it will it will crumble. Yes. What's but the you become the person you were meant to be and then he decides if he's going to align with that. Either way, it's a win. What's the biggest lesson? I'm sure you've had thousands uh, throughout that 10 years. What was the biggest lesson you took away from that first marriage? That it's so important to look at everyone as a human being, as important as yourself, that their experience, their struggles matter just as much as yours do. Is, is that what you you felt like you didn't appreciate your husband's struggles or was it vice versa? Well, um, well, it was it definitely went both ways, but I only control my side of the street. And so I was able to because I wanted to have that spiritual and personal growth to be able to look at other people in that way. That's what I did. 
So here you are now. You've been married for how long? To my new husband, almost 11 years. Almost 11 years. Okay. And this has been a completely different experience, it sounds like. Yeah. So talk to us. Let us peel behind the curtain a little bit for with the types of people that you're helping. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with those those seven things that you say are are critical. It's on your Instagram page. Uh huh. There's seven. What what was it exactly? Seven. I'm reasons. not sure what you're referencing. To be honest, there's seven reasons. Um, oh, yeah. To pull it up here, because uh, it looked like that was kind of a, a main message. That um yeah, well, it, well got a, reasons, it got a lot of views to work with you. Yeah. I don't know that it necessarily characterizes my program, but it was meant to to bring in some <laughs> okay. Well, let I'm me with... just let me just ask you then. Let me just ask you oh, this this way. Other. What about who's the type of person that should be looking to work with you? What is the what is the common general theme that you get when <laughs> somebody reaches out and says summer? I am fill in the blank. Who? What is that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's There are a lot of women out there who <clears throat> just are not at all okay with doing a part-time parenting arrangement. I get people like that. Who I've talked to women who don't even trust their husband to watch the kids and so they don't want to get into a shared custody situation you're saying that um, a woman that's married currently will tell you i don't even trust leaving my kids at home with my current husband right like he's not as aware of their safety as he needs to be yet the kids love him so she doesn't want to break up the family there there are so many we have uh, moms of special needs kids who it's just a logistical nightmare to think of trying to rearrange custody. And so when you can't change your circumstances, you are confronted with needing to change yourself. And so let me stop you. Cause this is, I really want to mm-hmm. dig into this. Yeah. A lot of women are coming to you. It sounds like they want to make a change in their life. They want to separate. They want a divorce. They want a new fresh start yet. They're operating out of a sense of fear of the other side. My husband's inadequate. I don't want to lose my kids half the time. Whatever their fears are. I don't have enough money to do this. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things. And instead of you trying to help them find a way out, it sounds like you're trying to help them curate a better way in. Well... What I believe is that it's important to untangle everything that's going on inside so you can make your decision from a place of serenity. So letting go of blame, cleaning up your side of the street, um, uncovering the things that you're triggered by and being able to respond in new and more effective ways if you do end up separating you're going to have a much better time co-parenting as well so just 
get your, do everything you can on yourself, figure, figure yourself out. And then you're in a much better place to make a decision. So let me give you a hypothetical. Let me give you a hypothetical. You can untie. Sorry, go ahead. It's okay. Let me give you a hypothetical and give us some actionable insights on, on something that you may coach one of your clients uh, sure. in a certain way. Give us give us some details if you could. Mm-hmm. Get Reach out. You're working with a woman. She's married. She's got kids. The sex life is almost non-existent. She's stressed out with finances. Mm-hmm. Her husband doesn't listen to her. She's not even turned on by her husband anymore. She feels the burning desire to be with a different man. She wants to feel love. She wants to feel warm. She wants to feel special again. It's been years. And right. uh, she just doesn't have that same spark that she once had. I assume that's a very common uh, theme across the board. Sure. What do you do? What are some pieces of <clears throat> actionable advice that you would give that person? Well, we can't give actionable, actionable advice until we get the long view. We need to begin with the end in mind. So really slowing down and getting a picture of what you want your whole life to look like. I start with having my clients write eulogies, write their husband's eulogy as if he was going to die tomorrow, and then write their own eulogy as if they died 40 years from now or whatever it might be. Because you want to get a picture of really what is he to you and what would you miss if he was gone? And what are your goals for your life? And just expanding the picture so you're not having sort of your blinders on to begin with. And then you can sort of make out what your next step is. What does that do for your clients? Just to stop there. Mm-hmm. What is that? What kind of results do you see from that? They come back to you. They wrote the mm-hmm. eulogy. What kind of reaction does that warrant? It really sort of sifts out the small things that are more um, branches than roots. And gets them on a trajectory of moving forward and also highlights the the points that they want to make moving forward so um it it really lays out the right course for them that we want to be taking and, and shows me how i can support them in their goals interesting so it kind of uh removes all that piling on effect my right. husband, you know, he doesn't like Bud Light, and I wish he would like Bud Light and join it. Like, <laughs> the stuff that is meaningless. Right. Okay. Right. So, all right. They really, go through, they go through the that. Course. Yeah. They go through that exercise. And mm-hmm. then, okay, now you have a bigger picture. They wrote the eulogy. Yes. They wrote their own for 40 years from now, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, where do they go from there? Now we're going to just do a brain dump. And figure out what are the things that are really pressing and are they, are they problems in me? Are they problems with him? Are they problems with the way we're interacting? And 
what needs are behind these problems that we're having? And are there other ways that I could have these needs met? Um, is this something that would still be a problem if I didn't care about it? Is there, um, is there something I can do to enrich my life so that I don't feel as desperate for whatever this problem is? Like, what can I do? What's an example? Give us something that comes to mind, just an easy example. Yeah. I had a client that, um, she was, she was frequently getting jealous of her husband and she was worried that something might be going on with their au pair at the house. And he was sleeping in his office. There was just all kinds of distance. And what she, what she didn't realize was that she was sort of just laying these big feelings on him and saying, what are you going to do with these instead of managing what she could herself? And she realized that the way he was treating her was a reflection of the way that she was treating herself and that she needed to offer herself some nurturing. And she started, she started taking trips by herself and she loved it she was happier and he was happy that she wasn't like a mess that he needed to deal with. And he could just enjoy her company and she could enjoy his company. He moved back into the bedroom and it was awesome. Mm. Was there ever anything with the au pair or was that just in her head? That was just in her head. Okay. What if there was something with the au pair? You have a client that comes to you and says, Mm -hmm. my husband was unfaithful. There's infidelity in the Mm -hmm. relationship. Do you tell yeah. her do you tell her to pack her bags and hit the road or do you offer a different piece of advice? Well, it's her decision whether she wants to pack her bags. I, when I work with clients who are recovering from infidelity, they've decided to give him another chance. Um she has to she has to decide what she's okay with and let go of what she's going to let go of. And, and as long as she's in, she's all in. She says, if it happens again, I'll be on my way. But as long as I'm here, I'm not going to treat him like he's a criminal. I'm going to be the best partner I know how to be. Cause that's where, that's where things are. That that sounds good in theory. Mm-hmm. But what about all those moments where they're in bed together or they're out at dinner or she sees him glance at somebody, um, whatever it could be. It could be a, there could be a million different triggers that, yeah. really, that really eat into the present moment, that eat into the relationship, that eat into the foundation. I mean, the foundation's already been fractured. Right. So while, right. You, while you're telling them that, you know, be the be the best that you can and if it happens again that's easy to say but how does when she comes to you and says i'm trying my best but i keep getting triggered by so many demons absolutely there yeah yeah she has to love herself she has to um communicate to her husband that 
you know, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of fear right now. I'm having thoughts. My brain is telling me that the relationship could be in danger because I see you looking at that other woman and I just need, I need you to tell me that things are okay right now. You know, we mm. communicate our needs. We make requests. We're straightforward. And we do our best to manage those triggers that come up. Mm. That's got to be tremendously challenging. It is. Once the foundation is broken, I believe right. no matter if you might stay in the marriage forever, I believe it will never be the same. It might mm -hmm. be okay. It might get back to a place of happiness. But I'm a firm believer that once that once that fracture once that union is fractured, I don't see it ever recovering to the to the same extent. Uh, I recently posted something on Facebook on my uh, uh, Optimal Life podcast Facebook page. I want to hear your take on this. Mm -hmm. I wrote, "I'm not a big believer in couples therapy. After years of chipping away at the foundation of your relationship." You now turn to a third-party stranger to help reverse the damage that's been done. But damage is often irreversible. To me, these sessions are simply delaying the inevitable breakup that should have likely occurred years prior. And while there may be exceptions to this rule, most will walk away only to fully realize the reality of their shattered union. What's your take on that? Well written. Um, well, thank you. I, I, my problem with couples therapy is for a different reason. I don't believe that damage is ever irreversible. I believe in healing and forgiveness. And I believe that once people um, overcome, they can be stronger by what they've overcome together. But the problem with couples therapy is that it's kind of a, it ends up being kind of a you go first thing and who does the therapist like better and, you know, I'll open up when you open up. And whereas when one partner just makes the decision that, you know what, I'm going to step into the best version of myself and I'm going to clean up my side of the street. It's just so much more likely for transformation to happen. The conditions are, the ch change is inevitable and the other partner just needs to rearrange themselves around it. <laughs> you're, you're changing on your terms and it's very powerful. In today's, we talked about this at the beginning, in today's social media driven era, technology, internet, we're distracted. We always have our phones by us. We have access yeah. to anyone in the world within seconds. We're looking at everyone else's lives. They're posting all these fantastic pictures of their vacation. or And, and right. you're, you're sitting there and you're comparing yourself going, my life sucks compared to these people. Mm -hmm. I assume that that's a very common pitfall that you're dealing with with a lot of the women that come to you. Yeah, it's just sort of saturated into the collective consciousness now that, you know, I wish this was better. I wish that was better. So that's just a, that's just a huge part of the foundation of the program is just surrender. 
you are where you are, regardless of what Susie's Pinterest board looks like, you know. But is that your only advice to them is to just surrender to the all those images or are they able to try to put this into some greater perspective? Like, hey, what you see is not Absolutely. really what you get. Um, no, what you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. We don't surrender to social media. We surrender to the conditions of our life and hopefully unplug from social media as much as we can. I just did a podcast episode on how, um, the, the scrolling is just like judgment brain, like, no, no. <laughs> you're not good enough off you go it's it's just a, like a long parade of janky judgment and it doesn't help you develop the kind of attention that's gonna help your partner to open up so mm -hmm. try to limit that what are some other common pitfalls social media distraction are there are there others that are general across the board that you see quite a bit um <clears throat> just people's fears of opening up people making assumptions instead of just talking about it. Like, I don't know if you remember three's company, but mm -hmm. <laughs> it's always based on some wild misunderstanding and like versions of that are happening in people's marriages because they think, Oh, he must be thinking that. And, but it just, talk about it mm. also the fact that distancing is a way of managing anxiety it, it's not a defect of the heart that was a quote by dr harriet Lerner. just the way we manage our, our anxiety we don't realize the damage it's doing to our partner and the things they're the story they're telling themselves about it because you're distancing to try to protect yourself. Right. And your partner's receiving that as my wife is coming off cold and callous or vice versa. My husband's coming off right. cold and callous. Mm -hmm. And so now there's this double whammy effect. So, yep. so your distance and the distance is becoming greater exponentially and unexpectedly because the two mm -hmm. perspectives are totally different. Yep. And the amazing thing is that Every time we try to deal with the thing that's triggering us from a triggered state, we we're always inviting more of what we claim we don't want. It's just fascinating. We're always inviting more of what we claiming we don't want. Mm -hmm. What's what's an example? I like that. What what give an example of that? It's like you were just saying when the when the husband is withdrawing and the wife comes at him in a fearful state of, why don't you talk to me? He's, he, he's still getting the sense that something, she's not okay with him and he doesn't like the feeling. So he's going to retreat further. Mm. And yeah, right, right. The cycle goes on, which is why we have to step into new patterns. Mm. That's, that's, very well said. You did mention your podcast. Tell us what, what's the name of your podcast and what are the things that you're focusing on? It's called Be the Change in Your Marriage with Summer Cox. And you can find it on the major podcast 
channels and focusing on a lot of what I've talked about, the spiritual foundation of finding your why, why you're willing to do the work, why it's worth it to do the work because it's going to benefit you no matter what happens. And then some nuts and bolts things of how to talk to him in certain situations, what's going to work best communication wise. When somebody comes to you summer and says, I have been the change in my marriage. I've been doing this for three years now. I've gotten nowhere. Is there a point where you finally say to them, it's time to cut loose? Or do you just tell them to keep on going? <clears throat> that that depends on what their goals are. They, I feel like let's they say, might... let's say that they let's say they say to you, my goal is to just be happy again. Mm -hmm. What would you say? I would say that happiness comes from what you're telling yourself about your situation not from your situation. And let's see if we can tell ourselves a different story or focus on different aspects of our circumstances. And when you've when you can be at peace, when you can release blame, what's that decision looking like now? Fascinating stuff. It's very fascinating. And you, like I said, you must be busy and you must be never, you don't have many dull moments in your day to day because <laughs> no. the stuff that you're hearing about is incredible. <laughs> uh, the podcast will link in the show notes. Tell us where, where people could find you, website, social media, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I mainly hang out on Instagram. That's the best place to get in touch with me. And, um, on my Instagram, uh, my website is be the change in your marriage dot on universe dot com. It's just like a link tree kind of thing. But that tells you where my podcast is and my Facebook group. And I would love to anybody who messages me, I would love to offer them uh, five steps to close the gap when your partner pulls away. It's a training with worksheet pages. Is there a link for that? Will they be? Can we link that in the show notes? Yes, that's going to be in the Facebook group. But if anybody wants it without joining the Facebook group, they can message me. Okay, great. Well, this is fascinating stuff, and um, wishing you all the best, continued happiness, thank you, continued success, and uh, really appreciate connecting with you. I appreciate talking to you, Nate. Thank you so much.